My scripture this morning is taken from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found on page 87 in the New Testament section of your Bibles. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. And the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, and the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and of truth. May God bless the reading of God's Holy Scripture. Amen. I struggle sometimes with the stereotypical passages of Scripture that we tend to use for Christmas. I think sometimes that we can kind of use cliched passages of Scripture. And I know that sounds weird. What? How can Scripture become cliched? Sometimes you can read one Scripture a hundred times and get something a hundred different times out of it. And sometimes you just read it because you just read it, because that's what we've always done. I think it's important that we talk about in the Gospel of John and the understanding that it is a completely different style of writing. It is not anything like Matthew, Mark, Luke. The purpose of it is completely different. The idea is, is now that we have come to believe this, this is how God interacts with humans on earth. But, as I say this, it also becomes extremely powerful. It becomes powerful in the sense of how do we talk about God's joy? Commentators explain away John's presence as a, as a later passage, that it doesn't really necessarily belong in the majestic narration of Jesus' birth. But I think let's be honest about this. You see, Christmas isn't over when we take our, our live Christmas trees and put them at the curb. Christmas isn't over when we take all the decorations down. It's just beginning. 
It's just beginning for those who confess Jesus as God and discuss what it phrase, the Jesus becomes flesh really means. So let's start from the beginning. If we were to look at this as a Christmas passage, Christmas is Jesus as a child and is who we are. Verses 9 through 13 suggest that Jesus is a child of God, just like you are. So a baby cannot devolve into some sort of sentimentality, but has everything to do with promise for us. To be a child of God is a literal claim. This gospel imagines that every single aspect of the parent-child relationship is operative in our relationship with God. Everything a child needs from a parent. I got a little animated in the 815 service, and I'm going to try not to be this morning, but it's kind of hard for me because when we talk about this understanding of the parent-child relationship, I think it's hard for us to recognize because all of you have perfect homes. None of you have ever had any problems with your family. But there's a real, a real problem in our culture today. People that have children that are not parents. And the family that adopts them that really are. I'm the oldest of six kids. My three sisters are all biological and the, the brothers and I are all biological. And my sisters were adopted into our family as, as if they were always a part of it. And honestly, today, we don't even think of them being that they were never given birth by my mom. They've always been a part of our life. The part that was always frustrating to me as I grew up and I started working with youth and I, I worked with youth shelters and things of that nature is you start to see all of the children that are susceptible to the foster care system from even infants. Now I want you to understand how detrimental this is and how much of a big problem it is. There are children in the state of Oklahoma. There's, we have some of the highest foster care rates in the entire country. We have more kids in the foster care system in some places than in the whole country. But not everybody gets adopted. Imagine what it's like to be born and turn 18 and never ever have what we call a family. To go all the way till you're 18 and, and have this sense of belief that somehow someone, no one in this entire world had enough love for you to make them a part of your family. That's a problem in our culture. And I recognize a lot of times that these children that are put in foster care, I, I recognize that a lot of kids that are in the system, they have a lot of special needs. Way, way more than we ever could ever imagine. You see, this type of love is the love that is being expressed in the Gospel of John 
that God transcends any of our understanding and adopts everyone as a child of God. And you are a part of a family. From the moment you take breath until the moment you stop breathing. And that God loved you so much. He gave you a piece of himself to die. Sorry, it's a soapbox moment, but he gives us everything a a child needs from a parent. Survival, protection, sustenance, nurturing, the ability to grow and mature in our faith is what God provides. The promise of Christmas puts a manger with Jesus and gives us a sense of dependence that Jesus is important to us. And our parent, God, loved every one of us. How does he describe this in the Gospel of John, you might ask? Well, he says, the word became flesh and lived among us. In Greek, that word is skinu, to tent or to tabernacle. To live among us wasn't just something that said, here you are, come hang out at my house. It literally meant... Come into my home and be a part of my family. We hear this, and he dwelt amongst us. And we just kind of walk past it. Not realizing that he was here with us and being a part of our life. The dwelling of God is a deeply intimate personal claim and assumes that God's commitment to and continuity with God's people. Moreover, the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. Now God not only goes where God's people go, but it is who they are. That is, God now dwells with us by taking on our form. Our humanity and this different dwelling of God is God being where God's people are and now who God's people are. Christmas is grace upon grace. He says in chapter 1 verse 16, in the second part of this First chapter. If you're in my Sunday school class, you would have heard that chapter one actually has several parts to it. And the and one of the many parts of this start in verse 16. But in that verse 16, he uses this phrase, in the fullness, as the sense of some total, a, a completeness. Some have translated it as, uh, for example, the commentator that I was using, Carolyn Nicholas, is saying that she said it's a better translation to say like a superabundance of. We tend to use the word grace uh, overly and uh, abundantly and not recognize how it is used in the New Testament. Did you know, for example, that the word grace is only used four times in the Gospel of John? And three of those are in chapter 1 alone. 
That's how important the first chapter of John is. The entirety of the gospel will show what grace looks like, what it tastes like, what it smells like, what it sounds like, what it feels like. You see, this is Christmas preaching. For John, God in becoming flesh in Jesus has committed God's self not only to revealing what God's grace looks like, but that God wants to know it and feel it as well. He wants you to shout it from the mountaintops. The joy of Jesus coming into our lives. It's a hard passage. It's an intimate passage. Christmas is intimate. It needs to be intimate. It needs to be that one moment where we spend time together as church and as family and all of the rituals and traditions aside. You, you come to this place and you celebrate the birth of our Savior who gives us hope. And humanity gives us the ability to believe and a faith to guide us so that when we're shouting from the mountaintops, we are recognizing that God is in our life. It's a powerful passage. It's something that gives us the opportunity to believe and to be guided and to hear the word of God. But what's at stake is not only who Jesus is as the word made flesh. It's that idea that God embraces us in God's bosom and brings us close and makes us a part of the children of God. Our family is bigger than you see. You get to be the life that Jesus gets to live through you. You truly get to be the light into the world. And from that reason alone, we should shout it from the mountaintops. In the name of the Creator, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.